Hello, I am Leave Nelson B, musician for Lonely Ghost Records, and this is Talent with Alan. Here, we will go over recent Lonely Ghost releases, as well as those from affiliated artists in a quest to get liner notes that you cannot get in a digital era. I hope you enjoy. Man, this has been a lot nicer since I actually upgraded to the professional version of Zoom. I can. Oh my God, it's so much better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so much better. Yeah. So, uh, man, like uh, I got so many filters now. I never use them though. Yeah, I like I pretty much only use Zoom anymore for D and D games, and one of the people in one of my campaigns has it through work so we just use his like work account uh and we have like full zoom and it's so great yeah it's it is nice it is nice now that i, ha I can record directly to the cloud which i don't use yeah. and i should use but <laughs> uh, it's uh it's whatever oh uh, yeah i'm also actually after our conversation uh last week uh i actually ordered uh blue owl coffee oh nice <laughs> that's it, awesome shift there so yeah, yeah i haven't been right there now. in a while i i rode out there in the summer because it's like right near a taqueria that i like to go to but during the winter it's like oh god i'm not riding my bike anywhere i don't want to fucking drive there <laughs> like yeah i mean oh man so uh you're obviously from michigan i'm from ohio <laughs> i'm actually from ohio oh okay so why yeah. the betrayal <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> everybody asks me that it's so oh my god i i, I, I don't give a shit i'm actually born in no, florida I so <laughs> i know it's it's just funny when i when i told my family that i was moving to michigan they were like oh so you just hate ohio now and i was just like no i just the, my friends offered me a room that's really cheap <laughs> like, should have been like yeah yeah ohio yeah. fucking sucks yeah. <laughs> like fuck it why, yeah. why would i want to do this i mean why would we, yeah i'm trying to be a musician and like <laughs> like michigan has like the white stripes and Stephen stevens and yeah. george clinton and mc breed and not to mention some mm -hmm. village and and you know a band called death and so much you know, good music in michigan actually though in every genre of music yeah. <laughs> there's like a landmark uh a landmark artist from michigan like whereas ohio we just have a fuck ton of metalcore we have a song about <laughs> the kent state massacre that's oh my god yeah <laughs> jesus <laughs> yeah, that that I mean, yeah, and Bone Thugs and Harmony. No, there's respect to Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. When I lived in Columbus, uh my landlord was telling me that the the house next door to mine, which he also owned, um Bone Thugs used to like live there. Oh, really? Yeah. Like wow. in like central Columbus. It was super cool. Yeah, I was like, "Can you prove that?" And he was like, and he did. He was just like, yeah, here's like, uh, here's like the documentation or whatever. I'm like, that is crazy. <laughs> like, but, uh, man, uh, I mean, Columbus does have like, like Camoteos from Columbus who yeah. passed away way too early. Um, like there's a, there's a whole like mid two thousands, like Columbus rap scene that, 
that like I think Blueprint and RGD2 came out of. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, copyright and like like yeah, those guys. All we have now is fucking Twenty One Pilots, though. That's like the the Ohio band now, I guess. I mean, oh, and and uh, the black we have the Black Keys. Oh, Black Keys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we have, we have the black keys. Yeah, that 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 was that was, that was a nice time to be to be from Ohio. I yeah. actually <laughs> actually saw the rubber factory before they destroyed it when they were oh recording the rubber factory. I've actually when I was in college, uh, there's this uh, studio in Painesville where they recorded uh, Attack and Release, mm-hmm. and I actually like got to record a band in that room, and it was oh that's sick. Yeah, that that was pretty that was pretty sick. I actually did part of my EP point five. I actually did some of the mixing on that count on that console. Oh, so very that cool. Was, that was nice. You know, it, it, there were some there were some interfacing <laughs> issues because yeah. I completely operate in a hundred percent digital signals. Oh like, my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> and I have all these like analog like limiters and stuff like that uh-huh. going on. And, yep. yeah. God, it would be a dream to work on like a console like that, though. I feel like oh, there'd yeah. be like a learning curve, but like, oh, it would be so cool. Yeah, I, I was very spoiled with it, especially like this is like one of my first EP coming out like like four or five years ago. Dang, that's so sick. So yeah, I was pretty spoiled with it. I think I had headroom for days. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was very sick. I'll never see it again. I think the proprietor uh, passed away a few years ago. Oh, and dang. That was sad. Yeah. You know, so. <sighs> but man, love 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 your new record thank you i'm so, so glad that people like it <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it is and it seems like it was like a slow it was like a slow fall you know, like like come up to this record because like you mm-hmm. have some singles on spotify for you know from parts of like 2020 like yeah. at, at least as early as the summer which is when i first heard of you yeah yeah well that was the first thing that i put out like i don't know it's it was kind of crazy like it was supposed to like come out last June before the world, like before the world shut down, I was going to like finish recording it um, in March before I went on tour. And then I was going to like mix it on the road and then it was going to come out in June. And then I just like took way longer with it because I was like, fuck it. I like have the time. Um, And I didn't feel comfortable putting out a record last summer when like protests and stuff were going on. That just didn't seem like it made a lot of sense. Oh, see, I, I definitely <laughs> I put up three <laughs> albums last year. So, well, yeah, I mean, like, there's no, no, like, but uh, for, for, to, for like, a record like yours, like, yeah. I feel like it deserves its own attention without the world going crazy. <laughs> and I think Michigan was to in... take extra time too, you know, like, I was kind of grateful to be able to, um, to like, I don't know, take, take longer with it and try new things. Also, yeah, Michigan was on its own fucking wave of crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially That's... like living in Lansing. Like I live, like I can see the capital like from my house. So like. Yeah. I just realized I'm wearing a Detroit Vipers. <laughs> oh, it's so sick though. <laughs> this is the second day in a row that I wore a Detroit Vipers. So they have two of them. I'm oh, actually nice. wearing a matching pants right now too. Like, <laughs> uh, But that is a sick ass mug, by the way. Thank you. I love the handle. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I got this at Burlington Coat Factory, I think. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am. I'm such a, I don't know. I'm kind of a slut for a good mug. So anytime I go thrift shopping, I'm just like, where are the mugs? <laughs> yeah. 
well, yeah, like in between like the governor kidnapping and like yeah. and people just like camping at the Capitol and like breaking windows and shit. Like that's that's gotta be like because this is this this is like this is Lansing, Michigan. You know, yeah, like, right. Like, like how was that like like for you as, as you as you're trying to get this record done? Um. Well, it really just put everything on hold. If I'm being honest, like, um, at that point, I like didn't really have that much done um because I like you know put out the first single ragdoll in May and then like that's when everything started to really get crazy and like I don't know like the neighborhood that I live in is like full of you know uh cool leftist punks so obviously we were all kind of like you know, on guard, like just, um, kind of prepared for whatever was going to go down. Um, but yeah, I, I literally just kind of like pushed the record out of my mind for a while. And I did the, the second single, I don't even know when I released it because I like, didn't even really promote it. I think I put it out in July or something, um, which was misery, but yeah, I put it, I, put that out and I didn't really promote it just because I like had it done and I was like I just want it to go I want it to be out so I have more shit on the Spotify I don't really care if people like listen to it this is all just for like the sake of having stuff out before the record um but yeah I genuinely took like probably two months off from recording or even thinking about the record in the summer um because there was it was just like too much like just way too much going on um for me to like I don't know. I, it was hard to like compartmentalize it because it's like, oh my gosh, like there's an actual fucking like uprising happening, like right down the street from my house. Like, how am I supposed to focus on anything else? Um, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm super grateful to have taken extra time with it. And it definitely shows me. Yeah. Me. here I, I don't know if you've seen you know my this podcast before i haven't uh, okay <laughs> uh but yeah i recently changed the format where we go from talking about records to now we're just going to talk about snares for an hour and a half oh great so. <laughs> <laughs> honestly that would be fine i i can i can do that too like <laughs> <laughs> I, I can do that oh man so many snares pissed me off about uh <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, and it seemed to have like an affinity for uh, either like old drum machines on this record. Oh you yeah, know? old uh, old analog uh, drum machines like the like the I think the TR eight hundred eight comes in yeah. the, and the nine hundred nine mm-hmm. uh, in some in some parts. Like the low end on this thing is just amazing. Like <sighs> thank you. And you know, and I, I believe you're a bassist by, uh, I, by I am yeah, by so, trade. <laughs> So yeah, the, the the low end is definitely like a, a, a beautiful on this. Record. Uh, I really appreciate you saying that because that was a thing that I was a little bit nervous about. Because like, say you know, being like I'm gonna make pop music now and being known as a bassist, I was just like, fuck, like this low end has to be, it's got to be beefy because I'm not playing like too crazy of bass on it. Like there's there's some uh, songs that where I'm actually playing like real bass. Most of the bass is like a synthesizer though so uh i thought oh, no. o- over and over you flexed though like like you 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 you, you showed up yeah <laughs> i'm like what the fuck man She's just... <laughs> yeah i i mean that's that was kind of the intention too i really 
and I don't have a really um, sophisticated setup for recording the bass. So um, I kind of played with the marriage of that kind of uh, weird, thumpy, uh, like vintage analog bass sound and combining that with like the old drum, like rolling drum machines, like the combination of those two things, like that is like, like excuse the phrase but it's like literally music to my ears like when I hear those like really vintage bass combined with like an 808 I'm just like yes that is like everything <laughs> but yeah so yeah it usually goes song by song so uh man that th- these are not my notes <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh Okay, those are also not my notes. I am, I am, I am so ill prepared for this. <laughs> Do not worry. <laughs> but uh, but the the intro track, uh, in a pinch. Yeah. Uh, shortest on the record. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, the way I think about this uh, particular this particular record is that, um, like, like, I forgot what the Bjork album was called before, and like. I think the only, the only thing I can I can compare it to like thematically or well, thematically is probably like Little Broken Hearts. Only it's more like by by Nora Jones. Yeah. And you know, in which it's like it it, it 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 sounds like it sounds like a breakup album, but it's not like. It, oh it, yeah, it, not at all. <laughs> you know, it sure sounds like one though. <laughs> you know, and it's it sound and, and it's unique in a way that you actually give the other side a spot and over and over yeah you know and that's something that's something new that that that, that was something novel and it's not even like like it's actually like an honest other side of that of that equation not just Mm -hmm. like a caricature of that side of the other side yeah and but like in a pinch how how, how does that introduce the album for you so what's kind of wild about that song is that um it was the first it was the first song that I wrote after. Um, and the version that's on the record, that's literally just, it is the phone demo that I made of that song in like mobile garage band, like four years ago. Um, and I never really thought it would be on the record. Like when I was mocking up all of the track listing, I was just like, yeah, Ragdoll probably starts it because you come in with like a single vocal and a single kick. And there's just something special about starting a record that way. But the more I was like trying to figure out what songs was gonna, like we're gonna go on it. I kind of, I kept coming back to In A Pinch and being like, I feel like this is important like to the narrative. Um, Cause it's one of those things that I wrote in like a moment of like actual like despair and I never really acknowledged what I was really like the feelings that I was writing about it because at that time I was like I was like freshly experiencing and like forming new trauma and like I hadn't really like I don't know I hadn't figured out any of it yet um so I thought it was it was an interesting contrast to start with this like lo-fi song that like was you know happening to me in the moment and then go straight into ragdoll which is this like very like produced song where i like had like come to terms with all of it at that time yeah and ragdoll is pretty is it goes throughout the themes of the record 
you know, the, the, the defiance of it, the determination of it. Mm-hmm. And it definitely shows off like how bass driven this album is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I was so like, so the bass on that um, was written and performed by Kevin Proshnow from Just Friends. Um, and when I had the song like basically finished, um, like for final recording, I, it had like a bass line in it, just like a synth, like low kind of sub synth bass. Um, and it sounded cool, but I was just like, there is something missing. And then like that, <laughs> like that day, as I'm like finishing this final mix, I realized that Kevin posted that he was taking bass commissions. And I was just like, this is, this is what it needs. Um, and he just, you know, ripped it as he does being so incredibly talented. Um, and it just like, it completely changed that song for me. Um, and it kind of became even more anthemic than it like already was um, just by adding that like really hearty low end and being able to like have a friend um, contribute in that way was like so special. And the song is triumphant at the, oh, at the end sure. of it, you know, and I, I, I definitely appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I also appreciate the, because for me, like for, for me and my compositions and, you know, whatever you, whatever people call them, uh, <laughs> like the ad, the, ad, the ad-libbing on this, on this track is also very, very great. Oh, and cool. The, and just the, the use of snares as accents. Yes. Was a very, was a very, uh, I love the drums on that song (laughs) so much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And how did you process your vocals? That that, that was a question that I, that, that, that kept on coming back to me listening to this record. Like, I, so my like vocal chain was like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. People have asked me about the vocals a lot and I like, I mean, post-production is like 50% of what I do. So Yeah, like. <laughs> well, so I was just, I was mostly, um, obviously there's like a good bit of reverb, but not too much because I I did want to like kind of showcase the fact that this vocal sounds good without that. Um, and I had some like compressors on there. I have, I have, I don't really like the compressors that I have right now. Um, I've just been using a lot of like stock ones, but yeah, sorry. I like the vocals. The vocal production is almost like an afterthought, which sounds terrible, um, but is one of those things that, like, over the years of being in bands and like recording with people, I multiple times have recorded with producers who do not know how to mix my voice, and they always make it sound like they always like up the high end a little bit too much. which is very upsetting because like I have like I have a lot of like low not just in my speaking voice but in in my like singing voice too um and so as I was like approaching the producing the vocal it was like I kind of had an idea of how I wanted it to sound and um yeah I tried not to like fuck with the natural frequencies of my voice too much um but to kind of meld them with the frequencies that were happening in um, in like the instrumentation as well. 
um, cause I wanted it to have this kind of like velvety feeling, um, which meant I was, you know, ducking a little bit of high end a lot of the time, um, and allowing the synths to kind of be the sparkle. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I have to use a DSer a lot too, <laughs> because yeah. I have a little bit of a lisp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's why I have this filter. Cause <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my S's are, are just like, I, I, I could just, you know, have like, you know, the person who edits this, like, just like, you know, roll off the high end, but, yeah. but that's, that's why I had a question. Cause it sounded like, like the, the high end is like ducked, but like, it doesn't do a disservice. In fact, it's actually, yeah. actually makes it sound more like, I want to, I don't want to say fluid, but it definitely, yeah. Well, because that was you're, kind you're, of the you're definitely within tandem of the music, like you, right? You, yeah, you know what I mean. Whereas, I wanted everything to kind of like you know flow together in that way. Um, you know, I I've like made jokes about how this is kind of like a choose your own adventure album where you can just either not listen to the words at all and just vibe, um, or you can like choose to li like really listen to what I'm saying and like relate to it and cry a little bit if you want. Um, and I think like the fluid nature of it allows that a lot more because you're not really, you're not shoving the vocal in your face, you know, like it's not, it's not the main focus of the mix necessarily. Yeah. And it def it's definitely a sonic journey, you know, <laughs> but, uh, misery, uh, yeah. minimal, minimal intro to the track. Oh yeah. Uh, Definitely love the key change on the outro. Like oh, that, that, thank that, you. That, 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 was, that was great. And I, I do, I'm a sucker for a four on a floor, four on a floor. Oh yeah. You know, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely miss hearing. I feel like four on a floor came back with the white stripes because that's like Meg White's for like, sure. you know, calling her. She does it very, very, very fucking well. Mm -hmm. I actually really miss the white stripes for that. Yeah. For <laughs> that kind of reason, but uh, the drums again, great. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the the drums on that. I, I obviously love the drums on this entire record for the most part, but, um, but yeah, I, I just think from a production standpoint, misery is like so fucking cool to me. Like the, it, it hits so hard. And I love that. Like the, there are just like little things that, cause like, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you understand, but when you're mixing, like, you're kind of just letting it vibe and just like tweaking things here and there. It's like a little puzzle, you know? It, it's wrong until it's right. That, that, yeah. That's, how, yeah, I, that's exactly. how I look at it. Um, it's, like, it's like a sculpture, you know? Um, yeah. And I remember like finishing the mix and like feeling pretty good about it. And then I like sent it to mastering and I got the master back and I like was able to notice all of these like crazy dynamic shifts that I had put in there that I like didn't even really like notice that I had done like you know I'm just like automating like everything and then yeah. I'm just like oh my gosh like this like it like smacks when it needs to and I love how like airy and kind of um like clunky the drums are in that I think it really adds to the way that that song is like it's about like fighting with your fucking inner demons and your fear of like mortality, you know? Um, and I think that the kind of like battle drum sort of sound really like established that. Um, yeah, it, I like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting cause that song's not very popular but it's like by far one of my favorites on the record. <laughs> it, is, it is a great song. <laughs> it is a great song. 
Now, piss poor excuse to stay in the bed. I believe, like, hearing hearing this one was the first one that made me think of Bjork. And oh, her, hell and her, yeah! And her album debut, mm-hmm. or is it post? I don't th- no, no, I'm thinking of debut because that was a, the more upbeat, you know. Yeah. One. By the way, she did an unplugged performance of that of that record. It's it's strange. What? Yeah, it's such a it's such an electronic album. That she did. She did. That electro- sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I have it on DVD. It was like <laughs> it cost me like seventy five bucks, and I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely paying all of that for this. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, yeah. That one made me think of think of Bjork, and that's the first one that actually made me like, you know, like, like I think I was cleaning or something. I was like dancing to it and shit. Oh yeah. You know, it's definitely lighter. It's definitely uh lighter than than the previous tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, well, like thematically, like what was what was what was uh like I'm just, thematically, how did the sequence fit? Like, you know, because having this lighter track, you know, in between misery and warrants for brains. So, um, it's interesting because that track is light, sonically speaking. Oh but, yeah, sonically speaking. Um, thematically, but, this album is dark as shit. Yeah, but yeah, but the, like thematically, it, like it's. See, that, that's a perfect example of the kind of like choose your own adventure thing because yeah. like thematically it is like pretty dark and it's about me being like terrified of climate change and also worrying that like all my friends hate me, um, which, you know, classic feelings. Oh, yeah. um, but it was it was one of those things where I, I wrote that song. Um, it was one of the later tracks for the record. It's probably the second to last track that I wrote. Um, and I actually wrote it like last summer, you know, when I was already starting to track the album. Um, and I guess my my choice in it was like, it kind of came sort of naturally. I was trying to think of like the narrative of, of it all. And um, the first, you know, like section of that record, let's call it, um, that has, you know, those three singles right in a row, it's kind of like the, you have like the trauma, you have like the aftermath, and then you have like the day-to-day of like living with that. So, cause you, you know, you have like the thing that actually happens to you. Um, and then you have like the, your own like personal questioning in misery, you know, and your own like, uh, you know, fears and the way that it kind of, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It kind of like builds to like a fever pitch. Um, and then piss poor excuse is just like, you know, day to day living with depression, anxiety, any mental illness really. Um, and the way that like, I don't know, you can kind of convince yourself to just sort of say, fuck it all. Um, and I don't like something that I've been really working on personally in life is trying not to necessarily have a fuck it all attitude. Um, because in like, it all informs each other because it's like, I don't want to have a fuck it all attitude knowing that like the world is going to end and like, it's all going to end in fucking flames and everything's going to be on fire and it's going to be all all, like, we're all going to be complicit in that. Um, I don't want to say fuck it all to that because like, at the end of the day, I acknowledge that like, you know, this is the only life I got. So I better like, better fucking send it, <laughs> better have a good time. Um, and so that was like kind of the intention, even though like sonically, it's kind of a, 
a shock, I, I guess I would say, um, to go from this kind of like jazz, jazzy kind of uh, th- like theatrical sort of track into this like sparkle bubblegum pop number. Um, but thematically speaking, it's like that was like the natural succession of my experience um, in like dealing with my own trauma, you know. And yeah. I also think it was an interesting way to kind of usher in um, like, so like Worms for Brains and like Over It and then like the band titled track Get Tough. Those are all like lo-fi songs um, and they're all a little bit like uh, cheekier and a little sparklier. Um, well, that and it's, it's a great way to conclude the first act of the album because I, yes. I, I see this as a three act. Yes. Oh my gosh. And thank you for realizing that because like, I think I've talked to a lot of people who are like, oh, this, this is kind of like out of left field. And I'm just like, no, well, that's like the end of that section of the record. That's why we end on the high note. Like that's the intention. Um, because like that first act is its own journey. Cause uh, <laughs> let me tell you what I, what I thought of when I, when I, when I was <laughs> like looking for stuff to compare this to. Yeah. And it's like that. Uh, it's like that section in a uh, family of the opera where all of a sudden goes into masquerade. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Like, I love that comparison. Yeah, like uh, like all of a sudden you're you're like masquerade. Okay, this is the thing that that just happens in in this play. Yeah, you know, it's necessary for the story. It's yeah, nec- and and you don't question it when it's going on, but you're like, no, wait, why, why was there a masquerade <laughs> in, a, yeah. in, a, in the middle of this play? And, and it's and not, not not to mention like masquerade is not any less of a musical ambition of that of that of that in fact i think it's my favorite family opera song oh my god it's honest. so good it is it's really good <laughs> and like, i think i definitely grew to i definitely like it way more uh the older i got yeah you know that you do need that lighter you need you do need that lighter tone i believe that started the second act of a of a of the musical yeah yeah and it's like it, the first thing yeah yeah it's the first thing you know after hearing this love story and mm-hmm. you know this depressing thing and all of a sudden <laughs> oh masquerade okay yeah. all right <laughs> but yeah that's what pissboard excuse uh to stay in bed like i love that that's amazing. definitely <laughs> definitely it reminds me of yeah i definitely I, de- I, I i definitely listen to this thing over and over over again because like not only did I have to do it for this podcast, but I actually yeah. generally really like this, like this record, oh, you know, like, yeah. uh, Worms for Brains. This is, this is uh, the point where I'm like, this, this like, definitely uh, get tough made love to an 808. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is 100% true. Um, it's really funny because that song, um, most of the songs on this record actually are like kind of a stream of consciousness thing that I, you know, would write and then alter a little bit, but Worms for Brains specifically was like, like I literally wrote and like did all of it in like an afternoon. <laughs> I, I guess I should say it was the evening because this was like a thing. It was a, you know, a day where I literally forgot to eat. I'd had so much coffee. And then I was just like, you know, playing with drum sounds as I always am. And, uh, I, yeah, that song just like kind of happened and I was like, oh yeah, like this is cool. We'll keep it a little lo-fi with that like weird arpeggiated synth that like kind of sounds like worms. Um, 
and the like really sort of like sweet whistle organ sort of tone. Um, and I was like, and we'll just, we'll rock it lo-fi. We'll use a really minimalist like 808 kit and keep, keep everything like really tight and just like super soft. And like, I don't know that <laughs> it's just funny. Like I wrote it like while I was writing it, my brain was like, yep, this is like, um, like kind of an interlude track on the album that it's just going to be that that's great. And <laughs> like, that's exactly what it ended up being. Yeah, because speaking on the stream of consciousness, I like you to like a voicemail message. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, like in the, the way the vocals are processed, I am definitely a, a fan of the 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 roll off on the top end is yeah is, works really well for this. Yeah, and I it's kind of um it's a little bit of a love letter to like all of the the like lo-fi music that I love, you know, um, where like it feels very like visceral and genuine and it like I love the way that it just sounds like your friend like calling you <laughs> and just being like hey this is like going on um and the the little voice memo at the end it's literally it, like it's literally just the one that I did in the demo and then I just like I was like I'll probably just take that out when I put it on the record but then I showed it to um a friend of mine and he was like no you got to leave that in that's like really cute and funny and it really like ties it together because that's like you know that's the actual uh I thought it was a cool representation of that conversation that I reference in the like earlier in the song of saying like you called me you asked me if I ate today like and then I said I had worms for brains and like that's the the little voice memo is literally like that's a conversation that I've had with a friend before being like yeah I know like worms for brains is like kind of a joke but like I think I might actually like they might actually just be in there because <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I I like this song it reminded me of uh the fuck was that Rihanna song it wasn't a single it was a uh, I forgot what it was called, but it's on anti and it's literally like her, her, like, like, like leaving a voicemail on. Oh, yeah. What song is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, man. But yeah, she's, she, she's like drunk at this point. And yeah, what, yeah. Like Rihanna is, but yeah, that, that's, that's what, 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 what the thematically it reminded me of. Yeah. That's a really fun comparison for me. I, I love Riri. <laughs> Rihanna's Rihanna's a shit. <laughs> oh my god, she's so cool. Yeah. she's like the coolest person in the world. I think. <laughs> yeah, I I always uh, ask people like Beyonce or Rihanna at work. Oh, it's yeah, it's definitely Rihanna for me. But also, yeah. I'm like I have mad respect for Beyonce. She's oh, no, it's not she's it's a not legend. Not, not that no the other is whack, but yeah, like, for me, Rihanna's just more like. I, I feel like Rihanna has sung, has been through what she sings about more often mm. than, than Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, Beyonce's super rich. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so is Rihanna at this point. They're both but, super rich, but, but like... like. I feel like one is like sings about like, like, like way more personal stuff than the other. Yeah. And like Rihanna's always been like, I, I love Diamonds, even though it was like, mm. I think it was, I think that was written by Sia, actually. Yeah. And, Oh, man that album that had diamonds on it so no good. love allowed is my shit oh uh -huh. man <laughs> oh god anyway over it yes, yes. over it. okay so yeah you went crazy with the bait with the bass uh on on this track thank you and that uh, was in, uh the 
I, I, and I noted like the, the vocal delay on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, was it a delay or was it a reverb? So it's a combination of both. Okay. Um, so the, the vocals oh. on that song are mostly, um, the, I use the waves Ovox. It's like a vocal resynthesis okay. plugin, um, which has like a harmonizer there's like a tuner on it on the main vocal it's just like i use it as like there's like a synth a very low like synth layer under the main vocal um and then obviously like i roll back the the like cut off a little bit on that um to kind of give it that lo-fi sound and then the harmonies have like actual uh there's like extra harmony like ducked under it um and then they're like they're like tuned to hell, which I thought would be like really fun. Um, I like had a lot of fun putting together this song specifically from a production standpoint, because I knew that Sleepyhead was going to be on it. And I knew we were going to kind of have this like SoundCloud sort of vibe going on. Um, So that allowed me to kind of relinquish all of my, uh, all of the ways that I'd been really like pop producing everything up until that point um I I was able to kind of throw that out the window and really play with like the the sort of lo-fi end of things and I just it (laughs) it's kind of that song kind of grew out of nowhere I was just like uh honestly I was really really stoned um and (laughs) and I was just like sitting at my my desk and like playing with the midi controller and I wrote that little, the, like the synth line that like repeats through the whole thing, which is, it's like an organ. Um, and this is, it's ironically funny. Cause like the song is like a disdain for repetition. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's literally, yes, that is like the thing. Uh, because it's about that, like, you know, when you're having that like cyclical conversation with someone and you're never going to get to a resolve, um, and like, I don't know, at the end of the day, like that, that song is like, it's about the cyclical conversation, but the reason it's so cyclical is because like, nobody will tell, like there's, there's just a lack of good communication. Cause it's in my life, like that song is about like, uh, I had like a falling out with a friend and in like, they just wanted to tell me their intentions and I just wanted them to say they were sorry um and it like it would have been totally fine but we just kept having this conversation where I'm like just apologize to me and they're like well I didn't mean to hurt you and I'm like but you did <laughs> like that's and it's like, okay you're, you're denying my experience here yeah but, like, like- <laughs> it's okay like I I can forgive you it but like I need you to say that you're sorry um and so that like kind of synth line really because I didn't have like intentions of what I was going to be writing about when I started um demoing out the instrumentation for that song and as I like made that little synth line that's just like going over and over again um (laughs) I I was just like that it brought that to mind for me of just like having this kind of like thing just running in your head and it also reminded me so much of like uh like the kind of the inner monologue um that a lot of people uh, with mental health issues have, you know, where your brain is constantly talking to you and constantly firing all of these words to you. Um, And I always liken that to, I always say that 
I have a constant inner monologue, but I also just have constant circus music playing in there. Um, <laughs> and that kind of sounds like circus music, which I really enjoyed. Um, I, 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 I can understand that. I, I yeah. Only I constantly recite like Wu-Tang rap verses. <laughs> yeah. To myself, to, to, in, my, in my head all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those where, you know, when you get like, um, you get a song stuck in your head, but it's really only like four or five words. And it's just that yeah. on a loop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's literally saying, you know, Chinese chicken for over and <laughs> yeah. over again in your head. The one that happens to me all the time, it, I, my brain will go, stop in the name of love. Man, stop Michigan, Michigan to the blood marrow. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that'll just go on a loop over and over. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, can I stop in the name of love, please? <laughs> um but yeah, sorry. I just want to say I appreciate there. There's nothing. The only way you can look more Midwest right now is if your Carhartt hat was like bright orange. Oh yeah, <laughs> which it totally should be bright orange because it's like my favorite color. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I actually, but, I am definitely Midwestern, but I identify as a as Appalachian because I grew up in like very oh, southeastern yeah. Ohio. Yeah, that, that that's true. Yeah, but I think that's like a similar aesthetic. Uh, honestly, like <laughs> growing up around like dairy farmers and stuff is pretty similar to like growing up around people who like I don't know who live in the north. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ohio is like. There's like ninety nine point nine percent like farm and yeah. and small town like uh, I don't want to say small town race like, like Ohio and Michigan and Indiana any all had like sundown towns and oh, yeah. some and some of those you, you can tell when <laughs> some of those towns some of those towns have that heritage yeah oh you for know? sure yeah and that's that yeah small town Ohio is uh it's an interesting place like oh I, it sure is <laughs> but it's also like the only place that like <laughs> that icp could have the gathering of juggalos was like in columbus ohio oh my god right. it was in thornville um, uh, yeah yeah like just a little bit east of uh columbus i believe yeah yeah because i um where i went to high school is like 20 minutes from there um like 20 minutes further east and then like where i grew up is like even further east than that but like um yeah, so it was always really funny when the the gathering was happening because there would be a lot of juggalos staying at hotels uh, in like the city that I lived in. Um, and until I like understood what it was, I was always so confused that like every year suddenly there were all these like clown folks and like we had juggalos in town because like you know it's Ohio. It's a midwestern um, thing. Like it's part it of it's part of heritage. Thing. Like I, like yeah. I, I I like ICP and yeah. I think as far as fan bases go, the Juggalos are like the nicest. They're pretty cool. You know? And uh, yeah, they are. They're pretty. They're pretty nice. Like one yeah. one dude like gave me like food and shit. Like yeah. Like nobody like no tool fan has ever done that for me. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah for sure you know nobody who likes nine-inch nails has ever given me five bucks for a water or some shit like right? oh my god that's funny oh uh, god what were we talking about we were talking about over and over and over so like what what what, what uh so this so the synth line came first like yeah you know? so like when did you decide that this is going to be a crazy a crazy like base like you know exposition of my skill um you know? 
something so, that you that you definitely hold back on you know playing playing actual real bass on on this record and letting the pop more poppy things going yeah through. so you want to hear you want to hear a secret about the bass actually okay um so it's not natural bass okay uh it's double with natural bass but it's actually just like a you know like a synth bass that i have i actually think it was the ample bass plugin um and then I use the ample bla- the, the ample bass and then um or on the the MIDI controller and like I just really want it to be like super rhythmic you know um and so that actually came after I had uh pretty much everything like at least the verses like mapped out um because it has like the repeating synth line and then it's got the other organ that comes in and just plays the chords um and once I had those chords and I kind of knew where we were gonna go um I started playing with the chords on the bass and then I made all of the rhythms and stuff and I just love the way that it sounded and I never really intended uh for it to have any natural bass on it um because I wanted it to stay like super super lo-fi you know um that's when the ample bass plugin came in. Uh, cause I didn't have that initially when I wrote it. Um, and so I got the, got the ample bass plugin, uh, added, it was like a finger picked tone or whatever. Um, and then I added like a synth, like a sub layer under it. And then I grabbed the real bass and I just kind of slapped like the, the like rhythmic hits. Um, I didn't play the full chords on it, but I did play like the root of each of those chords. Um, and I think, yeah, it was, it's interesting because it has that bass tone has so many layers, but like you take away one of those layers and it completely changes the sound. So I was like really having fun with how, like that song is kind of chaotic. Like the, it's, it's mixed to perfection though. Like, yeah. There's really, really so is. much going on in it. And so it was a real like challenge for me, which I enjoyed. Like, and I knew that it was, it was going to be the last single and it was going to be the record announced. So I was like, this needs to be pristine. It needs to be so cool. Um, And I probably went through, God, I went through the most mixes on that song because there's just so much going on. Um, And every mix too was like, I was even changing tones there and like uh, changing plugins, like swapping things out because I was just like, something is missing. And it ended up being that the, the bass, like I just needed everything to just be there, like right in the center. Um, Cause I had initially like panned some of the other stuff out um, because I was like, Oh yeah, I want it to kind of like, you know, close you in. But I, I ended up just like pushing everything straight to the center and just being like, no, we're going to put this bass like in your face and it's going <laughs> to, it, it might hurt a little, but like, we're just going to, we're going to smack you with it. Um, and I just love the way that it sounded. And then getting, uh, when I finally got the um, feature from Sleepyhead, I was just like, oh my gosh, I was so over the moon. That was um, such a good feature. Like, oh, they're, just they're opening so up like any shit good. to talk about. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this, oh is, this is so going there. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so cool. I, and like, I remember uh, 
the way that that came to be was like kind of wild because I didn't even know that Jesse had that project at all. Um, and I, my band, the weekdays was on tour with their band insignificant other, like a couple summers ago. And we were playing in Birmingham where they're from. And Jesse did a set, a sleepyhead set and they're playing. And I was just like, I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is like, I didn't know you made music like this. And I am like, oh, like, this is so cool. Like, and immediately after their set, I was like, one, why did you never tell me that you do stuff like this? Two, we're, we need to do a, we need to do a song together. And they were just like, yeah, anytime, like just hit me up. Um, and so when I like demoed that song, I was just like, yo, is this the one? Like, would you be down to like do a, a verse? Um, and they said yes, which was very cool. And then I remember like, you know, everything got crazy during the summer. So we kind of like put everything on the back burner and they, they kept hitting me up being like, Hey, like when, when do you need this by? When do you need this by? And I was just like, honestly, like, as long as I can have it by like November or December, like we're good. We're, we're cool. Um, and they called me out of nowhere one day, probably in September. And I was just like, what's up? And they were just like, I'm going to be real with you, RB. I'm so high right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to record this right now. And when you're in so, the zone, you're yeah, in the zone. <laughs> and, and they were like, can you send me the stems again? Because I think I lost them in my email. I send them to me right now. And I was like, okay. And then they sent me the feature like that night. And I was just like, that's so cool. Um, and oh, I feel like I had something else to say about that. God. Oh, and the, it's cool because that like, uh, don't want to talk this out, ancient to talk about. Um, that is a reference to one of their other songs, which I love when people do that. Um, and that song like wasn't out yet at the time. And they were like, hey, I hope it's okay that I like reused some of my lyrics. And I was like, oh yeah, that, I mean, like, I don't care. Like it's your art, like whatever. And then they put out the song that that's in and it's so sick. I was just like, I feel blessed that these are part of the same like cinematic universe. <laughs> like, yeah, like <laughs> hey, that's a cool ecosystem that, that yeah. you guys got going on. Wow. It's really fun. I want to do like, I want to do so much more with them too, because I just, I loved the way that like we kind of melded. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It was just really a, that song is like so, so special to me, like having them on it. I don't think it would have been something I loved so much um, otherwise. Also, yeah. as I was demoing that song and I was writing the like over and over again thing, um, all I could think of it was that uh, Nelly and Tim McGraw song. Oh, over and over again. <laughs> oh man, I was just like back when I was in high school because I have, I, I have a, I have a strange relationship with Nellyville, the oh, entire yeah. album. And I think like I used to steal shit. Okay. Like oh, that, yeah. that, that, that was, that was the thing I did in high school. And, and, you know, this is back when like everybody, like we still bought CDs and shit. Like it was either, it was either buying CDs or you had that book of like, you know, burnt CDs in your car. Yeah. And Oh yeah. I, I sold so many copies of Nellyville to use CD shop. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, yeah, like I think I was like working at Dairy Queen or some shit. But yeah, like, uh, yeah, I sold so sold many. Like, wait, didn't you just sell me like four copies of this? Like, <laughs> like no, that wasn't me. I love that. <laughs> oh my god! Like, every every uh, every 
Chevy Cavalier had like <laughs> had like a copy of Nellyville in it. And yeah, yeah, that's my relationship of over and over again. Like I even what had a like banger two- of a song though. Dude, that, that, that's like you you remember the you remember the time when you when that song was all over the place it's like uh oh, yeah that one bc boy song uh, intergalactic planetary oh, yeah. like that song took over the world like for like two mm-hmm. years straight it's just like there, there's like a there, there's like a there's a period of time that i associate with different songs over yeah. and over again it's definitely one of them uh intergalactic planetary is another one uh clint eastwood by gorillas is yes definitely, oh definitely my gosh one. I love gorillas. And in the end by Lincoln Park is yeah. like oh. another one. And, and Those are all so like indicative of their time too. Yeah. They they can only come out during yeah. when they came out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Nellie and Tim McGraw over and over again. <laughs> being it's kind of a banger. being tangentially related with with over it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, God. Man. Ah, but the next track is oh no i do want to say something about something about over it is that that's the song that i immediately have to play again like, oh yeah yeah I, I i as soon as i hear it, i have to immediately play it again because it's it has a high replay value and it's just it's so minimalistic and yeah. so intriguing but you get pulled into this this uh narrative that you're yeah that you're presenting the arc is really really cool yeah. that was like a thing that i didn't um that I don't think it really had until I like got the feature in there. Like it, cause having the feature kind of helped, it helped the story along. Um, and it kind of reminded me of like, I don't know, it was, even though Jesse and I are kind of singing about the same, like both of us having experiences that are similar, it sounds like we're talking to like Yeah, it sounds other. like a back and forth. It sounds yeah. like the, there, there's a central conflict here. Which is yeah. really, really cool. And I like, I never really noticed that until the song was already out and people were reviewing it and they were just like, oh, this is like a back and forth conversation that has a lack of communication. And I was just like, oh, that's so, that's cool. How did we do that? Yeah, uh, yeah the song has so many things going for it. And it's like, yeah, you have a song with two people communicating to each other about the lack of communication yeah. <laughs> and then like literally the first like two bars of the of the response is like like we, we don't there's nothing to communicate about yeah <laughs> like it's 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 so good it, re- wow. it really is now get uh the next track get tough yeah. What, what came first, the project name or the song name? Oh, uh, the project name came first. Okay. And there's a little bit of a backstory as to why that song is called that. Um, and it's that I I had played like two shows under this project name before I moved to Michigan. Um, but I still didn't have like a real identity with any of it because um, it had a different name previously I'd played plenty of like pop shows but I couldn't find my identity within um doing this pop stuff and then I moved to Michigan and I was really excited I was like I kept making jokes about how I get to be a Lansing local now um and so I live in like a show house um and the first show that we had at the house after I moved in um I was like very excited trying to be like a good host so I'm like hanging out on the porch this is in like uh probably August or September um of 2019 and so I'm hanging out on the porch talking to everybody kind of like introducing myself 
like, you know, as the new person who lives here. And um, this person <laughs> offers me uh, a hit of their dab pen, uh, which is a crazy thing to think about now that we're in COVID times that yeah. we just like used to do that, pass a dab pen around a porch. Um, and I like rip this pen and like, I, I just like, for one of the first times in my life, I start like panicking due to weed, <laughs> um, which was like a terrifying experience. Yeah. Um, so I, and I was just like, I think it was like a combination of like the stress of just having moved and like, you know, trying to be a host and like not knowing any of these people and still not really feeling comfortable in my house and like still like feeling unsettled completely. Like it just like did not work for me. So I like run upstairs and I'm like freaking out. And so I'm like, okay, we gotta like calm down. Um, and there was like a band playing in the basement. And so I could like hear that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's just like too much going on. So I like put my headphones on and I like pull my iPad out and I just like start like making this song. Um, and yeah, I just like wrote the whole thing. And then the break in the middle is like the, even the one that's on the album, that is literally me having a fucking panic attack and like trying to like expel it from my body I was like let's use this let's use these feelings <laughs> I was like this I don't know if this is gonna work but we're gonna use these feelings so I was like using the like music box tone and I'm just like going crazy and then I was like okay I'm gonna just like try to get rid of this feeling by like breathing it out and so I'm like just I panic and then I like exhale and I'm like okay I'm good and that was <laughs> and I was like oh and that like crazy freak out section in the middle of this like dancey, almost kind of disco track. Uh, I was like, oh, that's my identity for this project. It's that like, it's like hiding the darkness inside this like sparkly pop produced thing. Um, and so I was just like, I'm going to name it after the band. We're going to call it that. We're going to keep it a little lo-fi to keep me to my roots um, of like, how I initially started writing this project, which was like thinking that I was gonna just do everything through like a headphone mic um, <laughs> and like not get anything mastered and just like put shit on Bandcamp. Um, I can remember rapping on headphones, man. That, 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 <laughs> yeah. that is, that is, that, that is DIY as fuck, yeah. man. <laughs> well, so many of my original demos um, for this project are that, you know, before I like really committed to making something before I really committed to like truly learning how to produce. Um, and so I wanted to keep it kind of authentic to that. Um, and that was like the first song where I was just like, I understand my goals for like what this project is going to represent and what it's going to stand for. Also, you get, you get the closest to having like studio sounding drums on this. Uh, oh yeah, for on sure. This record. And it has a brighter high end than most of the songs on it, mm -hmm. uh, uh, on the record. This is my favorite track on the record. Really? You know, yeah. Oh, cool. Yes, this is. Uh, and, I love that. Yeah. Like uh, this song makes me feel good. It, nice. it, it, it makes me feel good. It's, it's probably going to be on my, cause every year, every year I start to, I start every uh, new year with a, uh, a playlist like best of like 2020 and best yeah. of 2021 this is the first song on best of 2021 oh 
hell yeah. So, That's so cool. Yeah. This is yeah. the one that people have talked about the least to me. I had really? like one. Yeah. When I, um, cause I, I, I don't know. I feel like this, this is, there, there are certain songs that like, I think, uh, uh Portis said when they finally released third, there is yeah. like a song on there called, uh, what was the fuck? What the fuck was it called? I'm going to look this up. Cause I really, I yeah, really, no I really, I really loved, love this track, but yeah. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with Portis said or not vaguely yeah uh yeah they 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 i heard of them from uh from lp's first band uh they did a tour with them uh company flow yeah and uh company flow and porter said they, they yeah the rip there was a song called the rip and between porter's his third album and porter's his second album it was it, it was it was a, it was a long ass time it, <laughs> it, 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 it was like nobody thought this band was ever going to get back together yeah yeah it was like from like 97 to like 2008 you know and like the rip is a song you wait you know that that listen time for like you know what i mean and get and get tough is like this is this is this this is a song that 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 puts that pussy album that 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 like spiders out into the rest of the albums for me i like love that I like I really really love to hear that because I was worried that that song wasn't doing it for people <laughs> like which is like it would be fine with me like you know every every album has uh it's like ebbs and flows right and also I think it it speaks so much to like the the listener you know like I think um the people who have told me they really like this song are the exact type of people that I would expect to really like this song. You know, um, I like, I leaked my own record to a friend right after I got the masters back and they were like, Hey, that this song is like crazy. Track seven is crazy. I was like, I was like, yeah, you like it. And they're like, I am shaking my ass. I was like, fuck yes. That's like the intention. No, this is a song I'm most jealous of that. How come I didn't think of this? (laughs) This is so good. This is like, this is amazing like oh thank you amazing like uh, yeah my first my first listen through i think i listened to over it like three times in a row i think (laughs) listen to get tough like five you know so yeah (laughs) oh so take it back um this is where this is where i i I make the demarcation to the third act of the album yes for for sure for for take it back and the vocals are cleaner yes very clean (laughs) yeah very cleaner a lot of claps Oh, a whole lot of claps. I wrote that in all caps. <laughs> claps. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot of claps. Um so the the drums in this song uh I guess I should give I should give the backstory for this song. It is the first song that I wrote when I decided that I was going to make pop music. So uh I didn't really know what I was doing and I was like, okay, we've got two chords it's in six and we're just gonna rock one like 808 beat like the entire time and what happened was that the the snare in that kit wasn't doing it for me I was just like there's not enough like beef in it and I don't want to like switch kits and it sound like different um well, if I'm if I remember correctly, the 808 has a few snare options. You know? Yeah, it, yeah, you have the rim shot and the actual like snare that you can like over compress and do funky shit with, like fill yeah. instead or something. <laughs> yeah, and like 
yeah I don't even know like I want I wanted the drums to just be kind of this single beat like the whole time that just like drives it along it kind of feels like a train in a way to me um and the claps I just like it's <laughs> just like one of those things you know where uh you're making the beat and you you double something up for the sake of doubling it up and making it cut through and then you never change it um <laughs> like I really thought that I would end up changing the drum tones um but those are like the same drum tones from the original demo um and I just kind of like I think I had a very big sense of like demoitis with that song because I've had it for God, I wrote it in 2017. Um, I've had it for a very long time and I've like, it's always been one of those things that I knew it was going to end up on the record. Um, and yeah, so, so very little changed about that song from the demo process to um, recording it for real like I mean obviously like I changed a lot of tones the drums being the one that I I've touched the least um, but I just wanted it to like there I think because of the flowy nature of like the vocals I really liked those claps being a way to kind of like snap you back into the beat um, especially when you're you're in six and like you know, it's kind of like this extended three, four. So you have this waltz that's like so big um, and you can kind of get lost in it. Um, and I don't know, I'd be interested. I would, uh, as this record has been out, I've thought about ways that I could like remix some of these songs. And I think it would be cool to do that song um, without like a real kit, like without like actual drums and do it with like auxiliary percussion and just see what that sounds like um I think it could be very interesting um but <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of I guess I should say that that's the uh intention of the claps is it's it's just to like keep you um keep you in it oh my god someone's calling me my computer just freaked out sorry <laughs> I'm back yeah. um uh but yeah the the claps are are definitely just to kind of snap you back into it um, so that you don't get too far away. <laughs> well, for me, drums are informative. They inform like, well, and that's how it always operated was that drums like always uh, inform the listener of where the two and the four is, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think this album is like sort of like Getting me to change that. Like uh, I think the stuff that I'm working on now is more uh, is less sample based and more um, more more keyboardy. Oh, that's fun. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I've been actually been playing keyboard on on this Ooh. this this Akai Fire on on that's FL cool. Studio. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely interesting. It's been an interesting time. Yeah. You know, because Eric, because all because all the. All the all the all the sharps and shit are like right above the main key, so it's like yeah. it's really, it's really weird to 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 do. Yeah, but, that feels like a weird way to like you'd have to adapt to it for real. Yeah, and I also have like the my sampler too. And, yeah, and which like pressure sensitive uh, pads are just so so nice. <laughs> yeah, so beautiful. Oh yeah, but it's also like. 
it feels like um like the song has like a grievance to take it to, to uh to settle you know yeah. uh, you know take it back that is yeah you know? it's um yeah to get in the weeds of it i mean this song is about um somebody it, it's about a couple things but all relating to the same aspect but when i wrote it it was about um a person that i had been dating previously who um like I like came out to them as like non-binary and as queer and they would try so hard to like push me into these boxes that they understood um and in, instead of really like listening to me when I would try to explain like what my identity meant to me um and yeah so this is this song is kind of like it's that grievance of like um realizing that some people who like called their love for you like unconditional um can like completely just change their minds about that on like the turn of a dime because it's also at the same time about like um that experience with like my family and the ways that like I've never really felt truly accepted within my identity even to like I'm not like I'm not asking anybody to understand you know I just want to be acknowledged for like you know putting in the effort to like be the person that I am um and it's always a a really tough conversation when you try to stand up for yourself in that way and you're like hey but actually like this is who I am and then they're like oh well like not you're not really though and I see you as this so that's like the pushback that um I get into in that song um and yeah and then the last refrain being like why the fuck did I even let you in in the first place it's like like I completely when you feel like you wasted your time by even like trying to get someone to understand um and somebody who claims to like deeply care for you and realizing that that's like conditional, it really, really sucks. Um, and so I decided to just sing my little heart out about it. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's the, that, that, that's, that's kind of what we do, isn't yeah. it? Like, <laughs> and I can definitely understand being put in boxes. Like if I have my Afro out, I guarantee you, if I'm at some place and people want to talk to me, Hey, you know what you look like? <laughs> God, man. Oh you know how many God. times I've been told I look like W. Camille Bell or uh, or Brother Question? Like, oh my God. I, I remember I was I was at a oh man, what was that? What was that fucking place? Oh no, Kalahari and uh oh, nice. yeah. And uh I, I, yeah, me and my ex-girlfriend were in a hot tub and I th- I think literally the day before I just got like I was telling somebody I was telling her about like the old ladies at work like saying you know what you look like and then i'm like and I'm, i have to like be nice about it and yeah. just take it because oh, once you God. once you once you start doing that once you start saying you know i'm tired of hearing this shit because you know you you know one black guy with an afro yeah. <laughs> you gotta be you just gotta be that because like at the end of the day you know they don't know what they're doing is bad and they right. think they're being nice and shit so you just kind of have to take it or else you're just going to sign your own target on the on your back yeah and we meet the, we meet this couple at this hot tub at kalahari and uh and and 
and uh, and I'm just I'm just like I'm waiting for it and I'm waiting for it and I'm waiting for it and like literally the day prior she's like oh no don't you shouldn't have to take that so, like no you just have to take yeah. and then it happens like oh you know what you look like and you know like we just we, we were talking to these people for like a half hour having a nice conversation <laughs> and oh here it comes here it comes yep. You know, only, only way it could have gotten better is if they would have said, oh, you're so articulate or some shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> God forbid that happens. Oh, I, God. Got that. I got that all the time in high school or like, you know, got caught an Oreo or something like that. Jesus or... Christ. People are <laughs> fucking I don't have to tell you. People are so fucking racist. Well, but people really like wish boxes. They'd stop. People like boxes. They, they like boxes. True. People love to label each other. Well, I mean, it's it's easier to just say, "Oh, this thing I already understand. I'm just gonna put you in that," yeah. instead of you know actually like you know, it, it, it feels like people are denying your experience and you know and like just like, "Oh no, like you you you're not you're not like gangster and shit." So you're just like Kanye West, right? Like that <laughs> that that phase of my life is just oh. so good. <laughs> oh man. God, I I, I I I I honestly do love being black though. It's 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 nice, but yeah, I mean, also should, not nice. You but. should love yourself. That's I mean, at the end of the day, um, what else do we have to keep us safe other than our self love? I know, and even even I admittedly have a have a like have had some road bumps when it came to like the non-binary thing. Not because I'm an ignorant fuck, because yeah. like you know, I I because. I don't know, like, it took me a while to get used to calling people they and them, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, like, like, the best advice I've gotten was just, like, just apologize and, you know, yeah. try, try. Like, people, people are understanding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I know, I know what it feels like to be, like, you know, boxed into something that you're not, you know? So, mm-hmm. <sighs> but ex post facto, this is a bigger, yeah. a bigger song. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of natural imagery uh, written in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like not necessarily self self like destruction, but like definitely like self blame. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, uh, you, the choice to make it like a more a more uh, bigger bigger production. Like, can you speak on that? Um, so this was the last song that I wrote for the record. Um, and I knew I kind of had like the track list that before we get into the like big piano ballad at the end I needed something that like encapsulated encapsulated the journey so it's interesting that you say that it's um it's got like natural imagery and stuff like that um because that that is like 100% the intention um I wanted it to be this kind of like massive um sort of landscape um where you can like look back on everything that you've just heard and understand the place that it comes from. Um, the production was, it's interesting because when I first wrote the instrumental, it sounded way different. Like the, the tones were a lot like, I guess the best word I can use to describe it is like bloopier, um, very like closer to the stuff that was on, uh, like piss poor excuse or like, uh, like worms for brains, uh, stuff like that. And then I was just like, when I finally figured out what the like rallying cry of that song was like, when will I shut up and be kind to myself, you know? Um, because like this song is about like, 
I mean, it's, it's very, very literal in the beginning saying like every morning I wake up and regret everything I've said or done. Um, well, the, the then, path to forgiveness is a long one, you know, yeah, especially yeah. when it's, you have to forgive yourself. Oh God, forgiving yourself <laughs> is the hardest one. Yeah. Um, and so like leading it in with this kind of like, uh, which it's a very affected piano, which you could probably pick up. Um, it's always it's interesting to be able to talk about this record with somebody who does production yeah um, it, because it, i feel it, like you probably it's, it's pick up a lot of the it's, sounds. it's great <laughs> um you probably pick up a lot more of the sounds than other people that i talk to um so when i switched it to this kind of just like very affected piano with just these like hits um that was sort of to establish the setting of like uh you know waking up and what i likened it to was waking up on tour and like the night before feeling like you said something really stupid uh to like either one somebody else on the tour package or like somebody who you were like chatting with outside and like feeling like you misrepresented yourself um because of like social anxiety um so that kind of just like airy like affected piano and like a little bit of the drums um that was kind of the, like, you know, when you're a little bit groggy and you like are looking back on everything that happened the night before. Um, and then, you know, we grow into, there's like that little interlude between the, between the sections, uh, between the verse and the chorus, I should say. Um, and like having that pause too, like it's easier to be in the water when you start to bleed, like, um, kind of like, I don't know. It that was kind of a self, uh, like I don't know what to even call it, like self-flagellant sort of thing, um, where like when you start to like self-sabotage, like as long as you're like just surrounded by people when that happens, like then you can't, you just can't take it back at that point. So like then you don't have to care about it because like it already happened. Um, which this is all just like self-blame, you know, this is like the ways that we just pile this, these feelings on ourselves. Um, well, especially when you speak on being on tour and like meeting somebody who's like waited to see you for like maybe yeah. weeks, maybe months and you say something stupid and it's like, oh, <laughs> I waited, I waited like four weeks to, for, for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. like, exactly. It, it, yeah. And I feel that way when I release music every time. Like, yeah. oh shit, this is Lee Nelson B. Okay, right. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to something else. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But then we get into the chorus where you know that's the kind of conversation with yourself. And I think that when you are in this cycle of self blame, um, that's the the point like when you're talking to yourself in the mirror or just talking to yourself whatever that's the point when you are the harshest you know and um I so often like genuinely tell myself like hey quit being such a sad sack of shit just like shut the fuck up and like acknowledge that like you are the only one overthinking this um and that was kind of the intention with making that course so big um, and having so many like coral layers, um, was that it is all of my, like, it's my external self fighting with the internal self, um, and hoping that 
my external self being like, Hey, inner demons, shut up. <laughs> like, and hoping that like that voice can be louder to kind of deafen the cacophony, um, of the like cyclical self-blame, um, and like self-sabotage. Um, and the more I like went about it, the, m- the more I was like trying to you know, finish up that song, I realized I was like, I, I really need this to be um, like a gang vocal at the end. And it's not just a gang vocal. It's like a choral vocal, which I was really, really happy about. Um, and it's really just, uh, it's like a ton of layers of my friends in Pancho Villa Skull. So the two of them both did like multiple vocal parts. Uh, and then my friend Molly O'Malley did one part and I just kind of like formant shifted and like spread them out a little bit and like, you know, fucked with the timing a little bit. Um, and that was like kind of the, the representation there was meant to be that that like um, when you realize that everybody else has this like inner um, turmoil, you know, with themselves and that at the end of the day, like your friends wouldn't hang out with you or these people wouldn't interact with you if they thought you were a horrible person. Um, which is the thing I have to remind myself all the time where, especially after like hanging out with friends for an evening or something. And then the next morning I'm like, Oh my God, I said so many stupid things. They all hate me so much. Like why? Like they don't want to hang out with me. They don't want me around. And it's like, no, they, they do. You're just, you're overthinking this. So putting the big choral vocal there was in one way, other, you know, having other people say, I also go through this, but on the the flip side being, you know, those friends that you were with who love you unconditionally and who don't think you're a terrible person. Um, but at the end of the day, like that moment is fleeting, you know, which is why, yeah. you know, we, we're at this huge, like mountaintop, which we reference in the second verse, like once you're at the top of the mountain, you can look back on the person you used to be and you can heal those wounds. And, but it's, it's way easier to do it later on once you've grown and changed than it is to find peace in that moment. Um, and we have this big mountain for that final chorus, right? And then there is this sombering realization that like, that's a, a fleeting moment and you're gonna have to have this conversation with yourself over and over and it's gonna it's not gonna be fun but maybe one day you can fake it till you make it and uh yeah find find real solace um and find real self-love um i hope maybe one day we can all find that <laughs> well, yeah because uh like the way you describe it reminds me of like because uh, like full disclosure, like uh, the, the creative boom I've been on is thanks to like post therapy work that I've done myself in response oh, nice. to a trauma that I suffered when I was like 21 years old. It's actually my 21st birthday, mm-hmm. and um, I waited like it was like 10 years before I actually you know did something about it because like I was exhibiting all sorts of toxic behaviors. Yeah, you know because like for so long, like you can either pretend shit didn't happen or once it you know once you're reminded of it you convince yourself that you deserved it at least in my case that's what happened yeah and you know you you definitely don't think you deserve all the good things and that you got and 
you know, in reality, like the people that know and love you, you know, deserve you to be at your best. Instead, you're like pushing everything away and treating people like shit, which is definitely true in my regard until it like goes into a point where you are literally the exact opposite of what you want to be. And, you know, like people are going to start, well, people have started like, like not talking to you now. Like there's people that don't talk to me now, you know, like for good reason, but yeah, you know, like a lot, I lost my best friend to, you know, toward to my, you know, shitty behavior, but, um, that, that road to forgiveness for yourself is, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a long, hard one. It took me like a summer and some change of like prolonged exposure therapy to actually fix what, what happened to me. And, even longer to fix what I've become you know what I mean yeah and that's and that's my relationship with this record yeah I mean that's um that's like a really profound statement too to like uh that you become like a the opposite of of who you want to be and who you should be for the people that you care about um because I feel like yeah that is like that that is like so ultimately true and if you isolate yourself because you fear like the person that you are and you fear the way that you are naturally then you're just alone like you don't get any better you don't yeah. grow and you lose everybody that you love yeah, and you quit, you quit smoking now you're just sitting in a room wanting a cigarette now yeah. like yeah because no there's nothing that replaces that you know yeah. you gotta learn to live with that decision you yeah. know like and yeah, at some point you gotta live with yourself, and that's like yeah. the, the, the 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 part in the the imagery. But that's the mountain that you yeah. have to get over for, because like, yeah, it's one thing to admit that you got a problem and go to therapy for it, and and or get or whatever the intervention, you know, and realizing that you know you're you're shitty. It's another thing to like go day to day, you know, and mm-hmm. that's. Because well, it's part. work. It's work forever. Well, it's like, every day. You have to make it every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every single day. All right. Now for the closer. Yes. Uh, there's nothing here yet. Uh, my 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 uh, initial my initial notes were like, oh, this is uh this 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 is really like this is this is chaotically beautiful and it builds <laughs> up into this you know, this crescendo moment. And then it has like this somber ending that is if just as somber, if, if not more than uh, it when it started. Cause it reminds me of like early, like what's the first, no, it's just a self-titled album. Uh, the, the the first Dresden Doll album. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, where it starts with a good day and ends with truce. Is that, am I, mm-hmm. am I, am I, okay, yeah. It reminds me of the, the progression of that entire record, you know, where like mm-hmm. you're beginning at, yeah, like, like, like at least sonically, it reminds me of it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's interesting because this, um, this song initially was like a bubblegum pop song. Uh, and I never thought it was going to be on the record. Um, it was just never one of those songs, you know and i mean this record couldn't have ended any other way you know? i know and yeah. it's crazy now to yeah. like realize the growth of that song uh because it was like this bubble come pop song that i i wrote when i was like homeless and really just going through it um with like seasonal depression and you know all that good stuff um 
and then me and um my roommate emma who plays piano for me whenever i need to do like a live stream um we were getting a set together and she was like we need like one more song do you have anything that's like easy that i could just like learn and i was like yeah i have this song that's like two chords um we can just like mess with that and then she started playing it on our like horribly out of tune piano and i was like are you sure those are the right chords because this is like dark and she was like she's like dude this song is dissonant i was like oh <laughs> news to me because it initially was so bouncy and like so poppy and I don't know as we rearranged it for that set and further on from there um as we were finishing up the record uh I was just like this it like has to be like this is the last song like this this is just exactly the encapsulation of all of it um especially considering that like so much of this record is about um, my very tumultuous life over the last like three or so years and the middle year of that being um, one where I was homeless and like really doing a lot of writing during that time. Um, and this is the only song from that time that um, kind of lived through that. Um, that like, I, you know, that I actually ended up putting on the record. And I don't know, it's just, it's one of those songs that I, I never expected to be on the record. Once we rearranged it, I realized it had to be. And then as I was tracking like the final vocals, I had this realization where I was like, I was like actually hearing what I was saying for like the first time and like actually acknowledging um, those feelings of like pure and utter like despair. Um, and that's kind of why it ends with that extremely somber vocal at the end. Um, because I was genuinely just like sobbing because it was the last thing that I had to record, um, for the record. And as I kind of like, it was the real, like closing of the chapter of my life, you know, and kind of realizing that while singing it I you know the the tears just came and I like just finished the take you know because I was tracking and then I uh sent it to a friend and I was like is this cool or is this weird and they were like this like feels very genuine and it's like a really haunting way to end this record especially considering the context of it which is that like I don't know. At, we had we just had this rallying cry of like, you know, we're we're gonna do our best to like be kinder to ourselves, and it's not gonna be easy. Um, and then there's nothing here yet. Is kind of the the real encapsulation of everything on the record, and saying that like this, like your trauma and your mental illness will always be a part of you. Um, and it's going to be a cycle and it's going to be hard. Uh, and we have to just live with that. Um, and yeah, I really love ending on a melancholy note. I initially like 
one of the track listings I did, I had ex post facto and nothing here yet swapped and, you know, ending on kind of a, like ex post facto still kind of ends on a melancholy note, but it ends on this like kind of cheeky acceptance, you know, but. But it's very, it's very like metaphory. You know what I mean? Like, whereas this, this sounds more literal, you know? Oh yeah. It's like, it's so literal. Um, And to end on, you know, just the acknowledgement of like, of the cycle and feeling so drained and so exhausted. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. And yeah, I, it was the only way that I could think to close that chapter and the, the noise section, that part is really, really fun. Um, it was never something that I expected would be there, but you know, I really wanted it, it to have this sort of crescendo. And I didn't know if we were going to do that with, you know, just a big piano build and some like vocal stuff. But Emma and I, when we were like sitting down and like arranging everything, she was like, what if you just put like a noise section in here? And I was just like, I could play around with that. And so basically that whole noise section is, um, it's full of samples that I've taken over the time of like writing this record and going through these experiences that informed the record. Um, so pretty much over the last four years of my life. Um, and it's got like, it's a lot of stuff that I like recorded while on tour or like while I was like homeless and like living in my car. Um, and so it's got like, (laughs) one of the samples is like my friend, uh, Larry, talking about like drunkenly talking about Langoliers uh while we were at Fest um a couple of years ago there's cicadas from my friend's porch in Kansas City um when I was just like going through it there's the sound of a green room space heater like powering on that I just thought was like a weird sound um and then there's even the the really fun samples that are in there are uh the original acoustic like writing session voice memos for there's nothing here yet and take it back um are both in there like pitch shifted down um and like slowed a little bit and they just like create this kind of like hellish sort of feeling and then of course like the noise section is led in and ended with the same bemo sample um, which was a tie back to when I initially wrote it, uh, because I <clears throat> initially had had a BMO sample or that specific sample actually in the, the like bubblegum pop demo. And it was, it felt really good to be able to throw that back in kind of as a nod to the person that I was at that time when I wrote that song. And when I was like really, really experiencing all of those emotions, um, And it's interesting because like, you know, you lead it in with the phrase that like life is scary and dark, which is true. And then that phrase ends with, but like, that's why we must find the light. But it's, yeah, it's um, hard to find the light sometimes. Um, So it was an interesting thing to be able to kind of play off of that sample for the lyrics of the last verse and to let everything like the cacophony drop away. Um, and then 
it represents kind of the moment when you realize that like you are all you've got truly like at the end of the day at the end of life like you have to live with you um and it's not going to be pretty and it's not going to be easy um but maybe maybe one day we'll get through there's not that optimism at the end of this song um but i think that's important to it's an important um it's a real it's a real conclusion you know yeah it's an important exercise in honoring our emotions you know to to be like this shit sucks you know and it's just never gonna stop sucking (laughs) yeah i mean you you when I, when I was in basic training, I, I was in the Air Force for a while. When I was in basic training, you, the basic training doesn't get easier. You just get better at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's uh, that's the same. By the time you're in your fourth or fifth week, you're, you're just so used to it and you, you get better at it. It doesn't get easier for you. Yeah. It just get, you just get better at it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's the perfect way to end this, end, this, uh, end this record. Like the the emotional journey you go through here is from start to finish is just it's it's top notch (laughs) like it it definitely is top notch i'm just glad that people resonate with it i was like so prepared for no one to care which would have been fine because like i at the end of the day i like made it for me um and like you know i could have lived with nobody caring but the response has been like so positive um and it makes me just excited to do more, you know? Yeah. So as far as like thank yous go for this record, like if you have a thank you section, what, 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 who's to be thanked for? Uh... The big thank yous, number one would be Tyler Floyd, who did all the mastering. Um, very dear friend of mine. Uh, and like just taught me so much along the way um, because he's like a producer and an engineer and like, really helped me like understand what I was doing um, and then like mastered it to fucking perfection. Like it would not sound nearly as good as it does without his mastering work and also without the many conversations that we had while I was working on mixing. Um, Next thank you would be (laughs) Jimmy Lo-Fi of the Sonderbombs because Jimmy literally heard- Uh, Cleveland band, by the way. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, they have a record coming out. No, no, it came it out, didn't came it? Out, yeah, came it out came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jimmy heard like every single thing that I wrote while I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the record. Um, and would give me like really real critique and like feedback. Um, also another person that I talked a lot about production with because you know he produces stuff too. Um and yeah, I just like he was the truest like sounding board for all of the stuff that I was writing um, and all of the demos that I was making. Um, I mean, everybody who's like on the record. So like Kevin uh, and Jesse and Molly and uh, Londo and Tino and Emma, my roommate who played the piano on the last track um, and arranged it. It's so good. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah yeah it's really just like I don't know I I could thank so many people like it it feels really nice um to kind of have this support system 
because like a lot of people have branded this record as this like self like all self-done thing which it is but like it's not you know like we are nothing without the people that surround us and support us um big thank yous to all of my bandmates in all of my bands because this has been all I've been talking about and working on for the past like two or three years um constantly like making demos in the van and stuff and um trying to write and yeah I just like I don't know I've been trying to also thank myself a lot because I did a lot of work um and also my my roommate Nick uh huge thank you because I literally used like all of their gear um I guess not all of their gear I really just used their very wonderful microphone that I'm still using right now uh I literally like could not have made this record if we didn't already have all of the gear available in our house because Nick like records bands here sometimes um yeah so yeah so many fucking thank yous I literally like I could go on forever because every person in my life and every friend that I have in music and beyond um, contribute to this in some way, you know, um, like, even if it's just like fucking retweeting my singles, like there's, yeah, everything, everybody like put in the work to amount this to what it needs to be. Also, Alex Martin, who was doing PR for me or is doing PR for me. Um, all of their work is like nuts because I hate, I hate sending emails. I hate trying to pitch myself to people. Um, and they're, they're really good at it. It's the worst and they're really good at it. And, um, I was really, really grateful for the things that we were able to do and, um, the places we were able to like premiere and like the write-ups we were able to get. Um, but honestly, it's just like, thank you to everybody who, listened to the record posted about it whatever like I am like so it still feels like very very surreal um to have done this at all um and for people to respond to it in the way that they have all right so just one I have one more uh, question and that is about yeah. the art direction uh oh. the visual art direction that yeah. you went with on this other record it's, it's a very particular aesthetic that you went with, <laughs> that you went with yeah uh, could you could you like explain like your motivation for having ha- having like the 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 visual art and the album name in itself in sickest and hell like yeah um so the we should start with the name because i feel like that that's it's kind of the chicken and the egg that the name definitely came first um like before have... like before any song like the, the... yeah <laughs> oh really oh. yeah um well it's funny because i it was the name came first but not with any um regards to me making music i was on tour um playing guitar in a band called caving um from chicago and i was just driving one day um and we were just like kind of chatting and i it's the same day i came up with the name get tough and also in sickness and in hell so it's funny that those are both my record now um I was just like yeah I think it would be cool to call a band get tough but t-u-f-f I think that's funny and cheeky and the other people in the vehicle were like that's pretty cool yeah like uh (laughs) you should use that so that we don't steal it and I was like okay I was like my other idea is I think it'd be cool to call something in sickness and in hell 
And they're like, that's really cool. You better use that or we're going to use it. And I was just like, I was like, okay, okay, okay. Um, and so I just always kind of had it on the back burner. And then as I started to like write songs and have um, this kind of uh, intention of making a record, uh, my Google Drive folder was titled like it was just the the acronym for that title which was just a placeholder I was like I'll probably call it something else but like we'll call it that for now just because like those are the two names that I came up with on the same day um and it really like more and more it just became so personal to me like that that phrase in its own because um it's like the vow to your it's a vow to yourself I think um at that point like kind of doing, doing the play on words with the vow is like, I don't know, it's, it's interesting when you're talking about such an introspective sort of album. Um, but I've always, when I kind of figured out my direction for the, the band, which we talked about um, with the song Get Tough, um, which was like hiding this darkness, um, I had an idea of kind of wanting the cover to look like an 80s found footage movie. Okay. Um, that was like definitely the direction I wanted. And I wanted there to be blood involved um, just because I make references to like blood imagery and also just like general hurt and darkness. Um, and like, like, I also, a, like a David Cronenberg type of a, that type of thing. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, I guess it's interesting because I don't have... Um, it's hard to have like true artistic um, inspirations. I think I just like, I draw so much from, I really love horror movies and I always have. So it's just like, I think it's just the combination of all of the visuals that I've ever loved um, from horror and also the intentions of this band being dark. And, um, you know, and it's also like kind of, um, a preview of the direction that I'm going. Cause I'm getting, I'm going to get darker, like, you know, like imagery wise and like sound wise, that's like the intention. Um, maybe I won't though. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll still write bubblegum pop songs that are, uh, weirdly violent, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was a hard decision. We did the, me and my friend Elliot did the, the blood photo shoot in my backyard um, in front of my raspberry bush. And so I'm just like, there's, we have so many photos of, you know, I'm wearing this like silk dress and, you know, all of this like beautiful jewelry. And um, my makeup was like pretty minimal, which I really wanted. Um, it, but like kind of clownish, like a little bit demony, but like not too crazy. Um, and I was just like, I was just putting blood all over myself, um, all over my hands. And like, it's like all over, it's still all over the dress that I wore. Um, but, you gotta go, you gotta go in you get one cover, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were just like going and, um, what we ended up with, like it's cropped, but like, honestly, I'm like literally covered in blood in that photo, but all you see is the blood on my face and my hands. Um, and I, the kind of imagery that came to mind when I saw that photo, as I was like reviewing everything, trying to pick a cover was kind of the, like, 
killing your old self sort of thing, killing the, the person or killing the voice in your head that tells you that like, you're not enough and that you'll never like recover and that you'll never like get any better. Um, so, uh, and it's crazy because we had the, the album cover before I finished the last track, but on the last track, there's a no, the, one of the samples in the noise section, uh, is my, my friend Larry saying, uh, it's, they're things that eat your past. And that was like a perfect encapsulation of the record as a whole. And also the imagery of the cover, which is literally just like, just, I love the visceral imagery of like killing your past self and eating them, you know? Um, and I, yeah. And kind of like becoming the, the kind of, uh, the hero of like your own story, you know, but through the lens of the fact that I really love like devil imagery and like horror in general, demons, blood, fire, all of it. Like, that's just like the the imagery I've always wanted. Um, and it's a fun contrast I think with the record, even though the record is very dark, like the cover is like very dark. Um, So I think it kind of, it puts people in the mindset that I want them to engage with the record in, um, which can make it almost unsettling when you get to a song like Piss Poor Excuse that's so dancey and like so fun. Um, Like to know that like, you know, the, the person making it and the person writing it or the character in that story is actually like dancing around, like covered in blood and like dancing around a fire or something. Um, yeah, I just, I love the idea of now, like, it's like, I, I've been in sickness, I've been in hell. And now like, maybe I'll just become like queen of hell or something. Maybe that's what's next. Um, it's a Queen fun lead into what hell. I want to do next. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, in my, in my uh, record 2.0, this is actually how I, this is actually how I uh, began this uh, working relationship I have with the model that has modeled every single thing that I've released uh, since yeah. then is that she had an Instagram story of like her in like a wedding dress covered in blood. Oh, and I, so and cool. I, I fucking loved it. And I asked her like how much how 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 much and it was just by chance that because it's a story it was gonna be gone in a day it's just by yeah. chance that I seen it but that I seen this and I'm like okay what 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 do you what do you want for this and you know and let me let me use it and like it turned out it turned out great like I actually like burned it I I actually like had a photos printed and burned the edges of it and oh, like so threw cool. it on my threw it on my driveway and took a photo of it and that's yeah. my that's my uh, album cover for two point you know, and like because uh, uh, that's that's uh, that's what struck me about your cover. Like, oh shit, this like women in blood. I don't know why I like this aesthetic <laughs> a lot. Well, but I but I but I do. You know, I was I was joking with some friends last night actually um, about like the aesthetics of the band and how like blood is like a huge theme and blood and devils and like you know, all of it, blood and hell are like, honestly, like that's, those are like the big themes for me. And I, I kind of in jest said, I, I just want people to be scared of me, but kind of turned on by it. And like, and it's like, I was mostly joking, but like, that's actually true. Like, I want, 
I want it to be like scary, but also like kind of sexy at the same time. And I want it to confuse people. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I'm not sure how I, how I approach my, well, my album cover is just, it, I, I, I contact that as who is a model and, yeah. and they, and they, uh, they pretty much, if I like something, I buy it from them or, yeah. you know, I have them do something for me. And that's, it's been, it's been nice. I feel like, I feel like now I have a muse or something, something yeah. to that effect, that's you know, cool. and, but I think, I think like having, having, having somebody like that and who has that aesthetic, who has that, you know, it, it makes my, my stuff better, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. So I want, I want somebody to look at 2.0 and think, okay, this is a Swedish black metal album and put it on. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it has like a cover to a Cure song on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like it's, it's, it's something that I really like, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, your, your aesthetic and what you go for is definitely that your, your artistic instincts are always to be trusted. <laughs> Thank you. You know, so like, yeah, it, 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 that that's that's how I feel about this record. Every every last damn bit of it. Like, there's oh my not. Oh God, that's not so a, nice. There's not, a, there's not a weak moment on here, and Ugh. you know, it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a strong record. It's a strong project, and definitely a strong aesthetic to it. You know, it's it's nice. It's a good way to start the year. Yeah, I I was kind of nervous being like one of the first releases of the year. And I hope I can like keep the momentum through to December when people are like album of the year, whatever. But like, um, I don't know. I'm just like happy. Like, I'm happy that I put it out. I'm excited to put more things out. Um, And I hope people like what's next as much as they like this. And I also just like, it's such a, I don't know, it's such an achievement for me to have done this whole record by myself and like and for it to just like finally be out very cool so where can people find you where can people find uh get tough can find me on all of the internet at get tough stay tough t-u-f-f tough um i mostly am active on twitter and twitch at this time in my life um i do live beat making and production streams as well as I need, I need to get better at that <laughs> on twitch yeah it's it's actually it's really cool i never thought i would be able to do it but i'm having the time of my life doing it um and i feel like you would be great at it uh i, I take forever like like I, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will stick on one snare for like two hours and then stack other other stuff on top of it for another hour and yeah then, like i am snares are like my bane of my existence that and that and low end no one mixing is very is a problem with me yeah so uh, but yeah twitch i need i need to get better about mm-hmm. that i really do yeah it'd be cool i, I have an account and everything i just i never use it yeah <sighs> but yeah so with that this has been telling with ellen with uh with get tough thank uh, you for having me oh no problem don't hang up though i, I won't have a question <laughs> okay all right Have a good day.